Club Podcast. Richard West finding out about film and improvisation. Welcome to episode four of the Impro Film Club podcast. In this episode, I've been speaking to Hutch de Moupier, who is a musician. She plays the trumpet. She also runs the Horse Improv Club, and she's also a composer. She composes film music. She did the score for the independent film The Leveling a couple of years ago. Obviously, when people talk about improvisation, they're often talking about music. So I was interested to know what Hutch could tell me about uh, the form that improvisation took in music. And what we ended up talking about is the the radical sense of freedom that musicians have when they're performing in this way. But I started by asking her if there was such a thing as an improv musician. I think there are people who are exceptionally good at it. I mean, they have a command of their instrument, but also what they find is often so different every time you hear them. They've they've found something. Like, I, I recorded John Edwards, who's a double bass player, just working out some ideas, and then he found, like, a sound that he'd never found before while we were recording, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the sound that's and with the sound that has never been found before. Well, he said oh, I've got a new sound. So there's kind of all this ex- exploration. Anyway, here's one. I think I would say. If someone is doing that, and can they get better at it? Yes, I think it's always the th- same thing. But I mean, most musicians would say that they're constantly learning. They're constantly looking for things. They've never kind of arrived. I, th- I mean, most musicians I know feel like that. But they're always searching for something. Is it like a classical actor who is very good at speaking the lines of a script compared to an improviser who is great at spontaneously creating a character? Is that like the difference between the first violinist who's very good at playing Beethoven and the, the improviser? I mean, I think so. I think it is. But also, some people can do everything. You know, some... I mean, often classical, classically trained musicians might not have accessed that. But then, actually, in, in the improvising scene, there's often a lot of classical musicians who have gone, you know, looking for something other than the fact that they can sight-read anything and they've got amazing technique and then they want to explore more so I, I don't think, I mean, I think people just cross over. What, what is, why do, why do it? You never, you never know quite what to expect. And in that sense, it's just always kind of holds your interest, I think. But it's not necessarily anything can happen. It can be absolutely awful happen. But it's more that you're in the space where you're, thinking that something is really good is going to come out of it in terms of sound and music and what you're creating. And uh, I think the audience, when it's like that, also feels that. There's something about the experience of the performer that is also picked up by the audience of the kind of electricity of 
the being in the moment. Yes, I think so. The spontaneity. I mean, I could go onto a stage and make noises, but without knowing what I was doing. They could be amazing noises. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't pay money to come and hear myself make those noises. But, but other people, you, you would go along in the expectation of the, of them being able to do that. What's happening in that moment? Mm, it's so difficult to explain but see well you've come up with a few things there because I mean audiences will go and see let's just say improvised music because they might know musicians also ensembles change all the time so like recently on the horse we had three we had John Butcher, Mark Sanders and John Edwards and they'd for 20 years they've either played in duos or with other people but never as a trio in 20 years and so like people had followed all each of those artists had had then come to see them play so there's that kind of access mm. but then so that's the sort of chemistry thing it's like yes. if we put those three chemicals together yes what would happen and and people are on the scene are often i mean we ask each other well, you play with me at this gig and it can be as simple as that because also there's not often not like a financial um, incentive as in other experimental art forms it's yes a, exactly so you're there for that do people do it on their own or is it normally in groups <laughs> <laughs> I'm we just going to we just start, we just start the interview we at that point talk, yeah. we hadn't said the word music yeah. wow yeah there's both I mean, there's people who often just will do solo performances and then upwards from that. So how does it work if you've got more than one person and the two people have not just to work out what they're doing, but they have to relate to what the other person's doing? Yes. Well, I mean, as musicians, you should have learned to listen, hopefully. So you're just always listening and you're kind of responding and I think for me that's what it is anyway I mean I don't know for other people maybe other yeah. people just stop playing and just ignore everything the question I'm sort of asking you many times again and again is really <laughs> is there a kind of method to it or is there you're not it's not like every performance is the first performance or is it <laughs> <laughs> is every performance the first performance I guess it is though in a way other than the fact that often you're you would have played with someone before and then once you know perhaps their palette or things that they do or they like to do then you, it's like just knowing someone like having a conversation or knowing some background about someone you might respond in a different way or um, and that, that way you might play in a different way if you're talking about totally free, so there's no score of any kind, because with you know, within improvisation, you could have instructions, and but it's still free. But if you mean that there's nothing, so two people have got on stage for the first time, and they've never heard each other play, which I've done, and, and most people, I guess, on the scene have done that, then. You, you are totally free to do whatever you want, really. But then you might decide to just follow or lead or make something together, make something apart. But it's funny because you, you would imagine, you know, if you were in a, 
an acting situation, it would be amazing and very unusual if two people went on stage and they both independently decided to have nothing to do with one another. That would be that would be a most incredible thing to see. But you think it would? It's almost inconceivable. Well, I'm sure it has been done. I well, you you imagine it has. I mean, but, also because. But do, would it, is that is that something that would happen very often in a music context? I don't. I. I don't know that it would, but then you could only interpret what you. If you were the audience, you could interpret that. That often people are kind of curating performances, and they might just say, "We want you to play with that person." And what if you don't? I know that person, or the way they play is something that's just kind of intimidating, and or I don't know anything that you feel uncomfortable with. Maybe you would do what what you've said, suggested, with like with the actors. Maybe you would just like kind of play away from them rather than with them. So it's about their kind of, that's just about the circumstances and their personality, really. I guess you can, the, the freedom is that you could just, you could just do anything. I mean, I've been in sort of workshops where you've had a, a, a circle of people improvising. So you'd start as a duo and then the person next to you um, would start and the other person would stop and you'd go round. And I've been in a situation where the person who was supposed to start playing with me just didn't play. They just decided not to play anything. So then you have to kind of respond to yourself. You just have to think, what are you going to do? Are you just going to stop? I mean, in the same way that someone could just start playing really loudly, really aggressively, and you're not feeling like that. But then it's going to make something unique. But you embrace the, the potential of failure, is what you're saying, really. I don't know if failure is a word to use, because it's just more... I mean, it's still an aesthetic. For somebody else, it could... You could come off stage or, or you know, from playing and think that maybe the performance wasn't... was not good. And then someone in the audience will come up, God, it was fantastic! Especially that bit, and that could be the bit where you're actually remembering... Because, I mean, it's not the same as a classical where maybe you just messed up the whole... <laughs> yes, yes, you got all the notes <laughs> wrong. <laughs> all the notes wrong. Yeah. A track or a song that everybody knows and yep. then you just kind of go off on a tangent and mess it up. You sort of said it's electric and the audience gets it and the people on stage get it. I mean, there's a do- well, there's the whole zone thing where you're, well, which is rare, but, you know, you will feel perhaps everyone's in this space. Yep, describe the zone. This sounds like the script of a film. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just think it is the feeling that that you might not remember almost because you've reached a point that you're playing and so it, it could almost be like a sort of meditative state but you're playing so you don't, you might sort of finish playing and can't really remember. But that's quite rare. Right. That that happens and that's just for the performers though well I don't know I guess I guess there might be moments when somebody's listening to something anything and I mean it's not zoning out so much as like you're so involved in it but I don't really know so much from that perspective I can talk from the actual play yeah the thing that makes uh, this type of experimental improvised music so exciting is that sometimes the 
complete freedom means that you do something that's great. Is that? Or it's just part of the fact that you you're exploring something. You don't know what's going to happen, but you, I guess, you are looking to create something. Yeah. Or be involved, or in terms of the playing and the communication and the feeling that you're making and the music that you're making, the sound, everything. And there's a mutuality to that as well, because if, if you're playing as an ensemble, you don't want to feel like it's just you who's having like the, a, a good time with that. Yeah. Like everyone feels that. Yeah. But that's also complex, because sometimes you'll feel it and someone else doesn't feel it. Yeah. It sounds like you're radically open to any possibility. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's that's uh, yeah. that's it really. Yeah. So what? Okay, let's talk about composition then, because you also yeah. compose music. Yes. So do does your what's the connection between impro- your improvised music and your composed music? Well, I mean, I just can I compose traditionally, writing a score, but also, I've always kind of, when I've done um, my own music. I'll often use like a kind of technique of almost sort of collaging. So there might be like bits of music I'm actually placing in different ways, in a kind of free way, and I'll make make something out of that. Is there a is there a physical method? Are you writing it on pieces of paper and no, sticking I mean, them together? Or? Well, no. This is more within sort of actually recording that's all happening in a computer yes basically yeah yeah. yeah. but then the linkage with experiment or improvising musicians is that sometimes I'll kind of play with ideas with them and then record stuff and then I'll chop up little bits and then kind of place them in different ways and then maybe and also just get ideas from just actually experimenting before actually composing so sometimes I just getting together with musician to say, oh, the, you know, there's this idea within the film for this, and then we just play, and then ideas will come. I won't even record, but just like think about what came from that. Yeah. And so that kind of informs the composition. Is it material that you're making that's going towards the composition? Sometimes, yeah. So if it's not just playing with ideas just to get the feel or you know trying different instruments together so I can decide what's going to perhaps be in a, in a score or I mean especially within film you know you're trying to create another sort of world within the film like if say the character something the music is saying something else but it's supporting always the the visual you know the film yeah and when you get it, is it is it a locked thing? I've worked in so many different ways. With the levelling... So I've, you you did the score for this yeah. very successful, recent, independent feature called The Levelling. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew Hope Dixon-Leach before, um, so we'd worked together on a, a couple of other things, a couple of other shorts and a TV thing. But she, So she, she sent me the script, and I started working on ideas from that. And, you know, I play trumpet but I play other th- instruments as well so and um, I have my own studio so I can start forming ideas in that you know I started just 
thinking of things from script with that. But then she started sending scenes and we talked about characters and moods and various things. And there was also like a track in the film that she really wanted to use. So that also informed me because... That's a, a track of your own music that she'd heard before? No, this was a track of someone else's music. Ah, okay. And that was already in the film or was pretty much going to be in the film. So I wanted to write the score so it would seem... So it would be a kind of seamless sound. You wouldn't think, oh, suddenly there's... Because it's an instrumental track. Yep. So there were certain instruments on that track that I wanted to use. But then I, she also said that she really liked euphonium, and I used to play euphonium when I was a child. So then that came into it, just because for some reason she mentioned, <laughs> mentioned that instrument. And were you involved in the process of finishing the soundtrack, the sound edit, and the deciding how much of the music was used and where it was used? Or Yeah, then, then it gets to a point in the film where having sent things they might have edited it in a different way perhaps or then they change things and then you get the lock film and then at that point you've hopefully all, all decided where the music will serve the film best and then, the, then there'll be certain spots and then you're just really honing in on what is needed and often just sort of cutting out things because um, there's also the whole sound world, the dialogue, the sound design that's in there as well. So all of those things have to be listened to. I sp- and you, you mentioned that you worked in lots of different yeah. types of film uh, set up because you've also done some animation. Yes, recently. done animation. So how, how, does, uh, how, does the, how does it differ from case to case? Well, I've done animations and, I've, and one director I worked with, um, Kim Notchie, um, she often has lots and lots of instructions, ideas of characters and scenes and very in-depth notes. We've just tried experimenting in different ways. In the last couple of things we've done, she's given me these instructions and just said, I want you to just interpret this, how you feel the score would go. And because it's animation, they're often short, so it'd be like a four, five-minute piece or even less. And um, I've created like a track and then gone, we've gone back and forth with ideas. And then she's formed the animation from that. So it's like I'm not actually responding to the, to the film. I'm responding to her instructions. And then she's building that around. And then she gives me the finished animation. And then we kind of finish it in that way and just maybe change a few bits and pieces and move things around. You know, in film, different people have different roles and it's all compartmentalised. So I, I sort of asked myself the question, well, could you improvise all the way through this? You have experience of both of these parts because you compose music for a film in, in a where it's, it is part of a system, but you also have the experience of doing things in, in, in a completely improvisatory way. And I'm wondering if you had any thoughts about how those things could be brought together. Well, I wonder sometimes how much... There is improvisation, but people don't actually talk about it as though it's something that, if something's been practiced and decided and and formed and and rehearsed, and this is the way that that, that perhaps means it has more value. There's also within film, I, I'm sure there's moments in all of those things that improv- improvisation happens. 
yeah. with actors, maybe the cinematographer just decides to do something. It's what the extremes of those are. The extremes would probably mean that it was more of an experimental film if they were doing things which were sort of out of the norm or maybe seen as not sort of a commercially viable thing to do. You know, I mean, I guess that's where the boundaries often are. You know, people don't want to come to improvise music if they think it's just going to be this chaos of society. People playing, like, say, like the free jazz thing, and other people love that, but then some people come and see something that's very minimalist, very quiet, very beautiful, and then they're astounded. Oh, how can it be this? How can it just be improvised? I think you've said this sort of the key word there is chaos. <laughs> it's like, to what extent is is uh, any organised thing prepared to accept chaos in its midst? And your your talk your type of experimental music making is geared to allow that. I mean, it could be. I mean, the people involved in the moment would know whether that was going to happen. But then, I suppose within. If, if it was in filmmaking or something like that, then perhaps that's the same thing. The communication's already there that all the boundaries have been pushed to a point that you can do this, you can do this. Is there a kind of ethic in here in the way you're talking about improvisation? What do you mean by ethic? What I mean is that you have a kind of structure of values behind it. Being free to do it entails accepting different outcomes yes <laughs> no, I see what you're saying um, because the value is not necessarily like in I mean in terms of sort of entertainment even though when you, you I have been thinking about this lately about to, are people there in the audience to, to be entertained in a sense but then if, they, if they're not sure what to expect, they're not necessarily going to be. Yeah. And, and people who know the scene would also know not to have that expectation. But maybe they're entertained by whatever it is, even if, as you're saying, that if the ethic is, you know, is it, does it actually sound good or is it interesting or thought-provoking or anything does does it do anything it's interesting enough to for everyone involved yeah um, another way of looking at this ethic would be to do with the question of whether or not you're dissolving these hierarchies okay we don't have anyone in charge here anyone anyone can come up with their own uh, reason for doing something and also their own reason for valuing it i guess it's slightly um Naive to think that there's not a hierarchy. I mean, there's obviously musicians who've been around for a long time who are established and and they do know their sound world incredibly well. And they've, but I've found that especially in the scene, people are so generous in the sense that they're very supportive of of new people coming in and and wanting to to play I mean that's also a word you know you're playing with something and that can be fun (laughs) in a way 
they you sort of even don't need those qualifications. They didn't even have to be interested in their instrument. As long as they wanted to play, that would be enough. I don't know. Yeah, that's not necessarily enough, perhaps. <laughs> well, I mean, having, you know, because I do this podcast the imp- called Improviser, and I'm asking these questions myself. But if the, if the person comes along, I'm, I can't help thinking of the uh, the example of the person who comes along and they just make a racket and they enjoy it, but no one else does. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, I'm sure I expect that's happened. What happens is that certain clubs will create things in different ways. And then I think that there is a certain idea that you might know the extremes perhaps you know like with it's like um with anything you would go you you would perhaps know that if you went to that improvised night there would be what you're talking about well you I mean we might put it another way <laughs> we're sort of saying that the 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 basic thing is that anything goes but uh, how far does it go okay so Anything doesn't go in terms of like it's not like say say an open mic night where in a way anything could go. So somebody could get up and they've never done anything before and they're free to just do that. I mean I think with improvised music there is there is a community and people do know what each other do and they these different combinations that come about are the exciting thing and there might be extremes within that and anything could go within that but I do think that it is curated and there's improvising workshops that will look at that idea you know of like exploring something and like how far can you push it and but in terms of actual performance yeah I guess it depends on the club and the musicians the audience might always be surprised I think everyone's still there to make improvised music (laughs) well yes and as long as everybody understands that that's what it is then then it's okay i don't know if it's okay (laughs) i don't know if it is okay what you mean is that nobody's going to be upset by that or you know by it being okay because this is what i'm saying about the aesthetic it's like is it something that's just was just incredible the sound the music that was made was incredible or is it the process is the fact that you can you're free to explore in whatever way you want to with your instrument like you could take your instrument apart even and just do something completely different that you've never done before I just think maybe the spontaneity and the excitement of that the audience I think I mean they're just hopefully they're interested in that and and it makes them think in a different way through yeah. sort of being involved in listening and supporting I mean, because this is the other thing if you know if you're setting up a performance and then you have got one man and his dog sitting in the corner then is that okay I mean perhaps there have been performances where people have told me that nobody has turned up you know but the musicians are happy because they're still playing yeah. and finding something. So it's a voyage of discovery. 
Yes. And there's no point in putting a limit on what the discovery might be at the beginning of the voyage. Yes. Yeah. So. I asked the wrong question when you answered it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just yes. Yeah. What is the voyage of discovery? I like that. Where do people come from? What's the background of the musicians? From everywhere. From doing the podcast, my whole criteria was that for everyone I was talking to had to have performed at the horse. A lot of those musicians went to art school. They were visual artists to start with. And a lot self-taught. But the scene has so many elements and, and there are classically trained musicians, folk musicians, jazz musicians, of course, the art school ethos seems sort of quite akin to the thing that we've been trying to describe, you know, welcoming that kind of experimental attitude. Well, perhaps of, of an era because of the people I'm talking to. Yes, they're, they're often people who maybe started out in the 70s or 60s. Yes, or exactly. Yeah. So um, it would be interesting to, as it progresses, to see... Art school still sort of... Yes. Well, people often (laughs) complain that the spirit of art schools today is not the spirit of art schools in 1968. Yes. It's just about the moment. Yeah. So you're not necessarily saying, well, what's your qualification for being here? Yes. You don't have to have got your grade eight. Yes. I'm in. Have you got your grade? No, I've okay. got my grade. Okay. So the other thing you mentioned there is play that we we sort of didn't yeah. talk about very much. Does everybody enjoy it? I think so. Well, sometimes they don't. Yeah, but it's not always kind of like you know light and happy. I mean, I think it can be really angst ridden. So the the sort of enjoyment thing is also complex because your people will be trying to find something sometimes. I mean. It just depends on the individual. And there's people, I mean, I'm probably not as serious in just... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm serious. Confession but, time. <laughs> no, no, I just mean like some people are very, uh, within themselves, are very serious. So then if you see them performing or you're playing with them, that, you know, that nothing is going to move them from that. Yeah. And, and sometimes when I think about the extreme, sometimes things are very funny because sometimes sound and music, when it's pushed into a different way, can create very funny sounding things. Or if, if people don't have boundaries and say, sometimes with singing, vocalists will just be experimenting. I mean, I've always found that it's interesting if people feel like they can't laugh because then that would be inappropriate. I mean, you, I guess you can't, but you can, I mean, you can often smile and just feel the sort of joy of, that, that it was amusing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't deadly serious. But then for some people, perhaps that's different and they would think that was really inappropriate that I'm smiling. Does it, that's interesting. That's just like how you negotiate that when anyone can do anything, then yeah. you never know if the other person's going to find what you're doing very funny. Well, yeah, this is the thing. I think there has to be the, the respect of, of not just breaking down in laughter when someone does something. Yeah, I think there's definitely that. But I just, 
I know when I first started on this in the scene, I found that, that sometimes I was thinking, God, this is, it's just some of the sounds are just so extreme. Mm. Being an improvising musician, is it is it more than just? It's obviously not a nine to five job, but is it, but is it? I mean, I, in some ways, I don't feel qualified to answer it because I haven't been involved in the scene for anywhere, you know, as long as most people I know. I think that what led me to it was just that I was really curious to find, because I'd come from a different background, but I was going to say the sort of curiosity and then what you can find from being in the situation when you don't really know what's going to happen and you're performing and playing music with someone and they've they're in the same situation I've always thought of what you can take with you with that feeling um, to your other sort of creative you know so as <clears throat> as a performing musician how I can take that into my composing even if it's just a way of doing something forming something and putting it together but also in the world you know we're all improvising yeah. but perhaps we don't think we are we feel like we know what's going on and it's all okay, we're yeah. all set. Whereas as an improvised musician, maybe you're, or you're aware that we're just all improvising. Yeah. So we feel like we know what we're doing, but actually we're just flying by the seat of our pants. Well, from second to second, we don't necessarily know, I suppose. But then you embrace that. Yeah. And have fun with that. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and what was it that brought you to it in the first place? What was it you hoped you would find? I think I, I liked the idea that you could just make something up and be spontaneous, but then just enjoy that within a group. And actually, I went <clears throat> to Denmark first to an intuitive music conference and lived in a sort of weird schoolhouse five days I'd never done improvised music before and just we just did various things playing in different ensembles with different people from all around the world I'm not really answering your question but I think that was the sort of start of just feeling like there was lots of possibilities and lots of possibilities for collaboration which yep. is like a big thing because instead of it being about you know, where you've come from or your uh, credentials or or your experience even. It's just that, that, that what the idea of being in, in a scene in whatever part of the world uh, means that you could play with anyone. It just feels like uh, it's a big world that, that you're suddenly part of. Yeah, and everybody has something to bring to the party. Yes, yes, exactly. And hopefully... Yeah, that just kind of builds and and uh, the scene gets bigger because of the kind of openness to that. Yeah. So would you recommend anyone to do it? I think I, think I would. But even if it's a question of just getting together with someone else, like you don't have to necessarily contact a club or, or something and go and say, can I perform? I mean, just actually just play make some sound play something with someone else and just enjoy 
that idea as a, as a start, perhaps, that would be something. Could just play some spoons. What would you play? Poof, I don't know. Spoons would probably be a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I could probably master the spoons. Okay, great. Well, that's probably a good place to stop. Thank you. Thanks very much to Hutch for that conversation. I enjoyed very much. I thought it was very nice the way she was so thoughtful about the subject, uh, as if she was open to discovering a new way of thinking about it, even as we were talking about it. Uh, If you'd like to hear more of the kind of music she was talking about, you could go to the Horse Improv Club. Uh, if you search for that, you'll find um, both the uh, times of the next gigs, but also Hutch's own podcast in which he talks to musicians that are played in the club. I hope you enjoyed that, and thank you for listening. <laughs>